Hello friends, Austin here, and summer is fast approaching. One of my favorite things to do is sit out on the patio with a good book to read, and what better than an issue of every horror fan's favorite magazine, Fangoria, which just so happens to be bringing you today's episode. Featuring exclusive articles about your favorite monsters and up-and-coming terrors, each collectible issue is sure to delight with fright. Be sure to check out the Fangoria store website for subscriptions and a bunch of cool merch. And while you're there, use promo code WOULDYOUDIESHOW for 20% off your entire order. That's right, promo code WOULDYOUDIESHOW for 20% off your entire order. Applies to subscription and one-time orders, applies to the first subscription order only. Now, let's sink our teeth into the episode. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. You are all my children now. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm joined by a guest who celebrates horror films in all sorts of ways. From having a YouTube channel that features interviews and his show Monster Memories, to having a blog with articles covering everything from horror movies to rock and roll. Please welcome my friend Chris from Dead Noise. What up, what up? How you doing, man? I bid you welcome. <laughs> oh, I love it's even it. funnier the fourth second time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it, dude, it never gets old, especially when you're as big of a Dracula fan as we are. That never gets old. Exactly. And if you haven't guessed already, we are celebrating Dracula Day, which at the time of this episode's release already happened. Happy belated Dracula Day. Of course, that means we are talking about everyone's favorite universal classic monster, Frankenstein. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, today is we are we're finally talking about Dracula. It's the first time I've talked about Dracula on the show. I am so honored and glad to be the first person on this show to talk about Dracula because I listen to your show and there are like six Ghostface episodes. <laughs> I love Scream if you can't tell behind me. But when I was scrolling through previous episodes and I realized that there was no Dracula, I was like, I got to jump on this. So here we are. And it's interesting because I think you and I both and most people listening right now, we all love the classic Universal Monsters. There's only one I've covered, and I've covered him a few times, and it's the Wolfman. <laughs> I mean, if there's anyone you're going to do more than once, the Wolfman's a solid choice. So even I can't get mad at that. I would put him as my second favorite. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's nothing to be ashamed of. But I think it's interesting. I haven't covered Frankenstein yet. I haven't covered the Invisible Man yet. I'm not surprised I haven't covered the mummy or the creature. I am supposed to talk about the creature at some point. Hmm. But I don't know what's happening there. That might be on my end. So the creature <laughs> should be making an appearance on this show this year. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I imagine I'd, I'd be talking about Frankenstein and Dracula a lot more. But sometimes, sometimes, and you know, you cover, you cover horror yourself. So, you know, sometimes when you have guests on, they don't want to talk about the obvious thing. Yep. When I first started this podcast, I know we're supposed to be talking about you, but we're going to talk about me. This is Please. my show. We're going to. 
I'm fine with that. <laughs> I, I'm just messing around. But when I first started this show, I had so I really want to talk about Mikey Mai Mai. <laughs> New listeners might know him as Michael Myers, but <laughs> but like a lot of people would say, you know. I really want to talk about Michael Myers, but I'm going to go with Norman Bates instead. I'm going to go with Leatherface instead. I'm going to go with Ghostface instead mm-hmm. and Freddy Krueger and literally every other slasher to the point where it was nearing October. And I said, you know what? No one's volunteered for Michael. So I'm going to make a whole month centered about Michael and I never need to talk about Michael Myers again. I will. If you're listening to this episode and you want to talk about Michael Myers, I will. Oh, it's inevitable. But I don't think I can do a whole month of any topic again. <laughs> I think the only I think the only franchise or monster that I could cover for a whole month would be Godzilla, just because there's so much material. There is a lot. But even you know Dracula, what? you're giving me ideas. You're giving me ideas. Hey. Don't steal my idea. <laughs> Already stolen. Bet. Oh, no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Did someone say collab? Hey, uh, <laughs> let's go, man. <laughs> but yeah, I've d- I did two theme months last year, and I'm do- not doing any this year. That might change, <laughs> knowing me. But like, I did a whole Jurassic, what I called Jurassic June last year. Yep, I remember that. Um, one. that was fun because I fucking loved. Everyone knows who knows me knows that. You know that. Hey, um, awesome. What's your favorite movie? Ah, you know what? I gotta say, it's Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) But that one, that one was a little easier to do because there's so many different dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. And I think Jurassic Park as a film series is a bit more genre diverse Mm -hmm. than Halloween. Maybe a little bit. Because Halloween is like straight slasher. Mm-hmm. With a little bit of supernatural vibes, depending on your interpretations. <laughs> yeah. But Jurassic Park is is like adventure. It's sci-fi. It's horror. It's um a little bit of a crime thriller in the first one. A lot of the sequels, especially the Jurassic World movies, are action. Yeah. And none of this has anything to do with um Dracula. oh yeah by the way happy belated world dracula day let's talk about jurassic park (laughs) hell yeah oh yeah gotta love our tangents (laughs) we love tangents speaking of universal monsters going from jurassic park back to dracula dracula park i think i think it's interesting that this is the first time i don't think i've talked about vampires at all really a lot of werewolves yeah i i remember the werewolf ones but yeah you might be right did you do a, did did you ever do a Lost Boys episode? You know what? I'm about to uh get a bunch of people mad at me. I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, but at time of recording, mm. probably at time of release, I've not seen the Lost Boys. I think ever. I remember you saying that on an episode. <laughs> I think I might I probably be... have. I forget what I say a lot of these times. <laughs> oh, I feel that. I might be mistaking it cuz you do the horror 101 episodes or you do those list episodes. There's some yeah. vampires sprinkled in there, so I might be mixing it up with that. You might know my own damn show better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I do my research, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm also a fan, so that kind of helps. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you, man. <laughs> I think the reason why I don't remember as good is because I edit these episodes. I put a lot of hours into edit editing these. As you, you're a podcaster, you know what that's like. Because mm-hmm. I go in and I get rid of all the ums. 
So yep. <laughs> everyone listening, I just had a big old um and you didn't hear it because your boy <laughs> edited it out. <laughs> but, it's that movie but, magic, son. Exactly. Exactly. I'm about to I'm about to uh unveil the curtain a little bit, expose the Wizard of Oz, if you will. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love my 30s movies. Don't get me wrong. But um I I do not I'm a podcaster through and through now. I've put enough time and uh energy into it i think i should consider myself a podcaster i'm an unorthodox one i fucking use adobe premiere pro to edit every podcast yep that is not an audio editing software no it is not but i went to school for film studies i'm a video editor i used to i did some freelance back in the day i know it from school and um the homies who've been with me since day one know, knows Would You Die used to be a YouTube show. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I know how to use a video editing software. I'm very comfortable with Premiere. I don't know how to use fucking, what's it called? Sound? Audition, audition or uh, um, the Audacity or whatever oh they're God. called. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to use any of those. I know I, how to use Premiere. Yeah, I used <laughs> I used to record on Audition and then edit on Premiere. Nice. <laughs> Didn't know what the heck I was doing with Audition, but it worked out for as long as it did. Yeah, that and you know what? If it works, it works. Exactly. We're recording off Zoom right now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> gotta love technology. I could easily make this a video podcast, but I won't. I think and I'll tell be... you why. <laughs> Oh, finish your thought. I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to interrupt you. I forgot my thought. Go ahead. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening, this is going to be one of the unhinged episodes. <laughs> These low key are kind of my favorites. And don't get me wrong. I love every episode because I always I always have such a fun experience. Almost 70 episodes in. And I feel like uh, I'm at, I'm loving every week, you know. Every podcast episode I put out, I'm like, that was really fucking good. And they're all good for different reasons. But I do have a soft spot in my heart for the unhinged ones. <laughs> the ones <laughs> where it's like all? the ones where it's like, I don't want to name I don't want to name out any names, but we, you know, agree to talk about ginger snaps and we go off on a half hour at the end to uh, uh form the fuck Bigfoot Club. And it was the second <laughs> time I did that. That was the second time I did that. So <laughs> That was one of my fun. favorite episodes, by the way. I love that one. <laughs> that one was fun. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Shout out to Reem. Yes, Reem. <laughs> the best. But, yeah, I love I love when we go a little unhinged. And if you're listening and you like the unhinged episodes, let me know. And if you don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't let me know that. It'll hurt my feelings. <laughs> but, yeah, Dracula. <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> What about uh, it? <laughs> before we get into Dracula, I want to know a bit more about you. Uh, how old were you when you first got into the horror genre? That's that's a good question, because there are a couple different ways I could answer it, because if I could say straight up horror, it would probably be seven or eight years old. And when I first saw Jaws, I know yourself and a lot of people have that same experience with that same exact movie. That was probably it for me. But if you count the crossover with sci-fi and dinosaurs and Godzilla, then it would have been a couple years earlier than that, maybe five or six. But even then, like Jaws scared the bejesus out of me. I didn't go swimming. I didn't do anything anymore. I 
I couldn't sleep at night because I thought the shark was going to come out from under my bed. But <laughs> but then I saw Little Shop of Horrors and Gremlins not too long after, maybe a year later. And I was so interested in the puppets. And Gremlins is a family horror movie. So that was really helpful in my getting into the genre. But in some ways, I think Dracula was my first introduction to where everything just clicked. And it was like, oh, this this is horror. This is what the genre is about. These are this is what a movie monster is that isn't a radioactive reptile. <laughs> um, it's like the more human side of horror, but still something inhumane, if that makes any sense. I don't know if what I just said makes sense, but no, 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 I got you because you still get the monstrous, but you kind of you kind of examine how humanity can be monstrous, I guess. Exactly. Where it's a little hard to look at the humanity watching Godzilla kick the shit out of Gigan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's like Jaws. I saw it when I was yeah. seven years old. I'm so fascinated with the shark and I'm scared out of my wits waiting for it to come back. 10, 15 years later, it's like, oh, the real monster in that movie is the mayor. Like, but I wouldn't have known that at seven years old. But with right. with Dracula, with it being a human likeness who actually does bad things and is the antagonist throughout the whole movie. It's like, oh, it all makes sense now. Exactly. Because even with like Frankenstein, um, Frankenstein's not really a monster in the sense that he's evil. Mm -hmm. Like the shark from Jaws is just a force of nature. Exactly. Dracula is a motherfucker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. <laughs> and... It's funny. So, like, I think you can kind of put Michael, my uh, Mikey, my, my Jason, Freddy, the big three slashers, mm -hmm. and then you can compare them to the big three of the universal monsters, which I think everyone can consider the big three to be Dracula, Frankenstein and the Wolfman. Yeah, I love the bride. I love the creature. I love the creature so much. <laughs> the Invisible Man is amazing. Got to shout mm -hmm. out the mummy. That being said. I think there is a big three to those and yeah. it is Dracula, Frankenstein and the Wolfman. If you put the three slashers and the three classic monsters, I feel like each of those you can like kind of do. Um, there are three archetypes that each one kind of fits. So I'm, I'm trying to paint a word picture and I'm just kind of doodling. But take Mike, Mikey, my, my, for example, mm -hmm. he's a force of nature. He is a manifestation of evil. If you're in his path, like he's just a force of nature, right? He's kind of like Jaws or the Xenomorph. I mm -hmm. think you can kind of put him next to the Wolfman, where the Wolfman can, is not quite the same as Michael. So this is the most stretchy of my um, comparisons. But the Wolfman is a force of nature. Like, there's nothing tragic about Michael. Michael is the embodiment of evil. Mm -hmm. I do not believe the Wolfman is in the sense that Larry Talbot, it's a sympathetic character, mm -hmm. but he turns into a beast who is, I don't know about evil, but he is a force in nature. If you are in that wolf's path, he will tear you apart. He's a victim of circumstance. And I think the most. And the beast is like. Yeah. The force of nature. Yeah. And the way you could draw parallels to modern slashers, I think the Wolfman would be close to Jason Voorhees just because of his, he drowned 
like he because the counselors weren't watching him he didn't ask to come back as a manifestation or whatever it just sort of happened that, well that's i would argue that is. i'd argue that frankenstein is the parallel to jason that's or at least too. a stronger parallel to jason and i think you're right i think the wolfman could you can do those parallels to jason and the wolfman i just think the frankenstein jason parallels are st- stronger and i need and to me the wolfman is the closest to michael i could see that out of the three classic monsters and out of the three slashers reason why i think frankenstein is the closest to jason is because you're right those are both sympathetic creatures jason didn't ask to drown and be ignored by its camp counselors and then you know be revived a million times he's just trying to he's just trying to honor his mommy you know exactly the monster didn't ask to be created he didn't Mm. ask to be shunned by and jason has frankensteinish vibes especially in like jason lives or jason x yep so like i mean and Jason lives, he gets brought back by lightning. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. So and then the clearest, the obvious, the whole thing that made me think of it is a Freddy Krueger Dracula. Yep. Comparison. <laughs> it's it's too on the nose to be overlooked. And it's like it, it just goes as simple as Freddy Krueger's a motherfucker. Dracula's a motherfucker. <laughs> yep. They are mean and they like it. Yeah. And yet somehow at the same time, they're both very charismatic because Dracula gets all the ladies. Freddy gets all the ladies. They have the same. They have a sense of humor about them to where they don't come off as cold blooded killers until they actually do the cold blooded killing. So it's that's it. They're basically the same thing. It's like, oh, let me can I I look at your homework? Yeah, just change it up a little bit so it doesn't look like you cheated. It's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we'll bring it. We will bring it back to Dracula, but I do have. I do want to ask, what was? Why did you create Dead Noise? Oh man, I think it was a lot of it was just because I had such a passion for rock music and horror movies. To where, luckily, the fan bases coincide very well, and. I kind of just wanted to talk with more like-minded people. So it started just as a social media thing. And then I started to write about horror movies and music. And I would write about the concerts I went to. I would like write event recaps and talk, have reactions to the movies I would see. And then it kind of just grew into what it is now. I do the show Monster Memories. I haven't done one in a while, but that's going to be changing very soon. But it came from a place of just wanting to interact and engage with more like-minded people and to see why. Because we all have a story. Like, we all have a reason why this movie or this actor or this song or this album means as much as it does to us. So I think with all of the parallels between each person's story, whether it's the same type of passion or the same exact properties that you have a passion for. That's a communal experience that doesn't really get shared enough nowadays. Social media makes it very much easier. But yeah, it, that was that was kind of what got my wheels turning about it. And as far as what got me making the stuff I make, like the videos and the articles, I kind of just looked to the people who got me into the genre because 
when I was very, very young, the YouTuber Cinemassacre, a lot of people will know him as the angry video game nerd, but I watched his Monster Madness videos when I was like nine or 10 years old. So that was how I learned a lot about the classics and the behind the scenes trivia. So I kind of just looked at what he did and kind of tried to spin my own personal creativity on it do something a little bit different but still kind of get the same point across by talking about what makes this movie good and what makes it important personally as a fan because when it comes to critics and people who actually write for publications or are paid to go out to these events like film festivals and stuff like that a lot of them don't really care about the stuff they write about and you can tell who's interviewing who like if they're a fan of the person or not by the types of questions they ask and i kind of wanted to lean into that by letting my fan side show but also still having an educated perspective and approach that can still be taken seriously but also to the point where i know my stuff and it's because i spent my life in, invested in it reading about it watching it that's where the knowledge comes from it doesn't come from a, an assignment from an employer it, it, it's from a place of passion so yeah it was really just a passion project that kind of grew into what it is now and I'm, I'm having a good time with it it's been about a year and i actually think coming up by the time this episode is released that'll be the first full year of doing youtube and it's been very rewarding and it's been a lot of fun because I'll talk to some of my friends and they'll be like, oh my gosh, it's like night and day with the stuff I make now, just the interviews with musicians and what I was doing a year ago to what I'm doing now. It feels like night and day. So getting to engage and interact with more people is always a lot of fun, but getting to see the personal improvement and the personal growth, that's, that's another return on investment that I really enjoy. That's awesome, man. Congratulations, <laughs> by the way, on a year. That's incredible. Thank you. That was a very long-winded answer, and I apologize for that. But No worries, <laughs> man. No worries. If I don't like it, I'll edit it. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please do. Make <laughs> no, me sound no, smarter no, no. than I am. <laughs> no, no you, you said it very well. So we got to talk about rock and roll for a second. Oh, man, let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. What are your top three to five favorite bands as of today? As of today, um, bands like your favorite bands change, your favorite movies change, not mine, but my favorite, <laughs> my favorite bands change, you know, my favorite songs or favorite video games. Mm -hmm. Like what you say today could be different tomorrow or different from an hour from now, and that's okay. But at this moment, what are your top three to five bands? I would say that my favorites, like my top three to five favorites. They they're from a range of different eras of rock music, but hell yeah, they're um they're pretty solid. So I think it would be the same answer if you would ask me three months from now. It would probably be the same answer. So I'll I'll try and rank them from five to one. Make this a little interesting. Number five would probably be. Hold up, I gotta do math now. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number five would be Rush because that was. A band that my dad introduced me to at a very young age and that's what got me not i i really liked the music but it got me into the genre as a whole like i i heard other bands way before then but it got me interested in the format of what goes into making an album because if you know rush they do some epic stuff especially with their earlier work where a whole back in the day <laughs> when they had vinyl <laughs> records it was like 
one side was a certain amount of songs and the other side was a certain amount of songs. They would just spend an entire side doing one song and learning about the way that they would actually record and produce albums. It came from Rush and listening to them and hearing my dad talk about them. And along with live music, because I would watch concerts with him on TV when they would come on VH1 Classic back when that was still a channel. So there's a lot of sentimental value with that band in particular. And that's probably going to be a common trend as I go up through this list. But they were my favorite band for a very, very long time. But I've had to kind of come and accept that some other bands do take more of a personal resonance with me and not a priority, but I just find that I enjoy their music a little more just in different ways. So mm-hmm. num- number five would be Rush. Number four would be AFI. They're kind of a punk alternative band. They've had all sorts of musical shifts throughout their career. They've been a hardcore punk band. They've been a straight up alternative rock, radio punk. Um, Now they're just a, a regular alternative rock band. And I love everything they've ever done. And the singer has multiple side projects and they're all amazing in different ways. But AFI was a very personally important band because aside from liking their music, they kind of, the singer Davey Havoc made me kind of want to adopt the straight edge lifestyle, which I didn't know. I didn't know about what straight edge was until I heard AFI and it's where you abstain from drugs and alcohol and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i I never had an interest in it anyway but to kind of feel like i'm i belong in a certain group of people who kind of have the same values just in the punk community in a place where you know it's sex drugs and rock and roll the rebel against that that was kind of really i really liked feeling like a rebel against the rebels in a way (laughs) it that's the best way i could explain it so number four is afi number three would be Alice Cooper. Um, mm. Yeah, I, you can't go wrong with Alice Cooper. I know he's a de, he's a Detroit native like you are, mm-hmm. so I'm sure you know a lot about the rich history of Alice Cooper. Um, I'm actually gonna see Alice Cooper for the first time this September. Oh my gosh, with Rob Zombie? Yes, dude, I'm so. And jealous. it's the second time <laughs> I've ever seen Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie is Rob Zombie is the second band performer, um, not including like the Detroit Symphony Orchestra or a f- fucking marching band. Um <laughs> cuz we're music too. No, but uh yeah. <laughs> but um in terms of like popular music, Rob Zombie will be the second ever performer I've ever seen live twice. That's amazing. <laughs> I've seen a bunch of bands and artists. There's only one other act that I've seen more than once. Mm. Um, but I'll let I'll tell you them when I go over my top five. Oh man, let's go! <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see Alice Cooper for the first time. Oh, dude, I understand. I'm I'm still waiting to see him for the first time. So, and I don't know if you're like this, but if I know I'm going to be seeing somebody, I don't look at the set lists. But if I know I'm not going to see them, I kind of just look just for fun. Mm. This this tour that Alice Cooper is on right now. It is just from a music perspective. It's probably the best he's done in a decade, maybe a decade and a half. It is so incredible because obviously he has the hits like School's Out, Poison, No More Mr. Nice Guy. But he's pulling stuff he's never played. He's pulling stuff he hasn't played in 30 years. So but I am so happy for you that you get to experience that. That's going to be so much fun. I've had um, a bunch of near misses with seeing Alice Cooper. <laughs> 
Me too. So me too. Fuck. I've got a God no willing, more, it's gonna happen. <laughs> I've got a no more Mr. Nice Guy tour poster. I oh, didn't God. even see him on that tour. <laughs> but he's number three. That's I mean, any given day he could be ranked higher, but his his music means so much to me. I I started listening to him at a very impressionable time in my life, and I'm so glad it was him and not somebody else. <laughs> number two is a more modern band. They've been at it for over 15 years now but they're just now starting to catch on and that is ice nine kills most people know them because they write about horror movies now but Mm -hmm. i was a fan not to be that guy oh i like them since their second album but i like them (laughs) since their second album (laughs) like i was a fan since 2014 right after the predator becomes the prey came out and it was their third album and it was their it was their last one on outer loop records and it was just unbelievable i couldn't i was just getting into that side of metal at the time and they just blew me away because their screams and their clean singing it's like the best of both worlds because they're so proficient and they just sound amazing on both ends and now they write about horror movies and they put on the best live show I've ever seen. So how could they not be my second favorite? And they're only my second favorite. They're only my second favorite because number one is a band I've been listening to for almost as long as I've been alive. And that is Blue Oyster Cult. I saw Mm -hmm. Blue Oyster Cult. (laughs) Excellent choice. Let me tell you, (laughs) I grew up as a Godzilla fan. The first Blue Oyster Cult song I heard was Godzilla. How could they not be my favorite band? <laughs> oh, I love that song. Bro, there's that whole album that Godzilla is on, Spectres, mm-hmm. it might as well be a greatest hits album. It is so underrated, it's unbelievable. Like they have one of their most popular songs. It's not even the best song on the album. It's that they're that good. Like they're yeah, it's it's like Alice Cooper. Their best songs are not their hits. Like you gotta actually dig deep to find the really good stuff. I I've seen them twice. I wish it was more, but I live in a very not good location when it comes to concerts of that stature because they don't come this way very often. But my first time seeing them was on my 16th birthday in New Mm -hmm. Jersey. I skipped school to travel to New Jersey with my parents to see them on my 16th birthday. And that was the greatest way I could think of celebrating my birthday any year. (laughs) Yeah. And then my second time, and at this moment, the last time, was in my hometown. Somehow they made it here. And (laughs) I was in the very front row, right in front of Buck Dharma. I've got pictures on my phone I could send you after this. It was, oh my God, it was such a great experience. I I wasn't going to be at that show originally because there was another obligation that was going to happen that fell through at the last minute my best friend is going to this concert and he texts me i get home he texts me he's like dude there's nobody in here get over here i was like are you serious and the doors just opened and he sends me a selfie he's at the very front row there's like nobody behind him people are still coming in i was like what and my mom i was still in school at this time my mom told my dad he she she's like put your blue oyster cult shirt on get the keys you gotta go <laughs> so <laughs> we went and that was one of the best shows i've ever been to i'm i i hope there's a third time in the works that i can see them but if that was the last time i am more than happy with that so rush number five number four afi 
Alice Cooper, number three, Ice Nine Kills, number two, and Blue Oyster Cult, number one. That's an excellent top five. So my top five, I have to think about it because you started five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to go one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Because I have a very clear top three. Mm-hmm. And then I have like 30 bands that can be four and five. So <laughs> that's understandable too. <laughs> so I got to think about it, but well, I'll start at my number one. Cause my number one um, is a very clear number one. And it's the only band I've seen more than once. I've seen them twice. Rob Zombie is about to uh, join that exclusive club in September. And also in September, this band I'm going to see for the third and perhaps final time, and that is Aerosmith. Why did I know you were going to say Aerosmith as soon as you said the final time? <laughs> well, oh. I think it's pretty pu- highly publicized um, that it's going to be their farewell tour. Supposedly. We'll see. You know how bands are with farewell tours, but, you know, they're getting up there. They're in, like, their 60s and 70s, so, like, rock and rolling is hard on the knees, but yeah, I I love Aerosmith. They've been my favorite band for a long time. I think what I like about them the best is they're one of those bands. Like, I don't want to say like any of them suck because that's not true. They're all amazing musicians. Mm-hmm. But like no one's calling Joey Kramer the best drummer of all time. No one's calling Joe Perry one of the no one's putting Joe Perry on the same level as Jimi Hendrix or Jimmy Page or Eric Clapton. And Joe Perry's an amazing guitar player. Joey Kramer's an amazing drummer. But you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But the only one where it's like I kind of see that virtuosity, uh, at least considered by other people, is uh, Steven Tyler. Like a lot of people yeah. say Steven Tyler is one of the greatest singers in rock. And yeah. <laughs> I agree. I'm biased, though. But yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a big Aerosmith fan, but even I, he's an amazing vocalist. I can't deny that. And when they come together, they just that's like something a band like Led Zeppelin. That's like four of the greatest musicians of their instruments coming together. Aerosmith is five dudes who just lock in so well together that when they come together, they make musical magic. Yeah. And um, and they've been through so many phases like they um, they're definitely hard rock, but they've done their blues rock. They've done their pop rock. Boy, they've done their pop rock. <laughs> <laughs> they just continue to survive and adapt. And um, I and I think Dream On might be one of the greatest songs ever written. That's a bold pick, but I, I respect it. I really think it might be a little overplayed. Sure, but. I never turn it off when it comes on. I never skip Dream On. So <laughs> it's not even my favorite Aerosmith song. <laughs> but it is a great song. Mm-hmm. Hot Take, one of the uh, biggest songs uh, everyone, one of the most famous songs ever, I think is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have guessed? <laughs> my number two, my number two band um, the band that got me to play guitar. And they're very close to, to Aerosmith. Um, I think in my head rankings, my number two band's closer to Aerosmith than they are to my number three band in terms of how much I love them. Mm-hmm. But I love Black Sabbath. Oh, man. Yep. I'm what's, a huge Sabbath fan. What's your favorite Black Sabbath album? Okay, I'm going to be a basic bitch, but I don't care. I love Paranoid. 
Okay. <laughs> Heaven and Hell was always my favorite. I like the Dio years. So I like Heaven and Hell. I like the Mob Rules. But if you're going to, if I had to pick one album, I have to pick the album that has my favorite Sabbath song, which is Iron Man. Because mm. that's the song that got me to play guitar. That's the song that got me into rock and roll. And it's because it came out on the radio and my mom goes, hey, you like Iron Man, the comic book here? Because boys and girls, this was before Iron Man was the biggest thing. Like this was yep. before the movie came out. So Iron Man was a nerd thing. <laughs> I don't think people appreciate how nerdy you had to be to know Iron Man back in the day. And I'm not that old. This was like 2006. <laughs> Jeez, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm old enough to be considered a nerd for liking Iron Man. This is a little relevant because the new Guardians of the Galaxy just came out. But I remember people like being like, who who the fuck is the Guardians of the Galaxy? A talking raccoon? A walking tree? This will never make money. And I'm like, I, I know who these characters are. Mm -hmm. They I think at that moment they were teaming up with Iron Man or they are a few years before they had a um, Iron Man was a member of the Guardians um, for a little bit. Because I remember those comics, but I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I know who the Guardians are. And now and now I feel like I'm no longer nerdy because I'm like, who the fuck are the Eternals? <laughs> oh, yeah, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> so um, but anyways, and. Guardians, the Guardian soundtracks are amazing. Oh, yeah. I've never seen the movies, but I've heard the, I've heard the soundtracks and I like them. Uh, there is a certain someone you'll like who has a I'd say maybe one of their deeper cuts. Volume three. You is, probably already know what I'm talking about. I think I do. Is this someone we just talked about? Yeah. <laughs> OK, I'm tracking. <laughs> yep. Uh, spoiler alert. If you're curious, I am talking about Alice Cooper. And yeah. I'm talking about the song I'm Always Chasing Rainbows. Oh, yeah. That's that's as deep a cut as you can get. I mean, James Gunn knows his music. And I know you knew what I was talking about. I was just saying in case people listening like, well, what were they talking about? <laughs> Everyone's on the same page. But yeah, Sabbath is my number two. I'm going to put in little asterisks and just put Ozzy and Dio in the same I know they're completely different bands, but I'm not just about to put Ozzy Osbourne on his own slot. Yeah. When Black Sabbath, Ozzy, and Dio, all three of those acts were so important to me growing up. Mm -hmm. In my mind, they're all related, you know? Oh, yeah. Because I have to shout out the run with Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes oh. is so good. All right. So the Mr. Crowley solo, just... Mm. And then, you know, he's had great guitarists. I forget Jake. Jake I forget Lee. his last name. Yeah, yes. Jakey e. Lee, Zach Wild. Hmm. I saw Ozzy when I was in middle school. Oh my god. Double so header jealous. with Rob Zombie. Bro. <laughs> I'm so jealous. And, and Zach Wild was still performing with Ozzy at that time, and that was a man. Dude, he, he was my favorite that Ozzy ever collaborated with. Because No More Tears is my favorite Ozzy album. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's a great album. So oh, yeah. Um, moving on to number three, this is my where it's clear for me. I just love this band. It's my favorite guitar player ever. I'm talking about Guns N' Roses. Okay. And my favorite guitar player is Slash. I love everything Slash does. What can I say about Guns N' Roses? They're amazing. I mean, they're one of the <laughs> biggest bands ever. Most people know them as a brand now more than a band. So like, yeah, that's true. 
I mean, if that's any indication of the success they've had, I don't, I don't know what is. They just rock so hard, though. Oh, and yeah. like, like even their like mainstream hits, like "Welcome to the Jungle," like that's a that's a hard rock song if I ever heard one. <laughs> oh, for sure. But then you go into you know like Mr. Brownstone, which is not like a deep cut by any means, but you know what I mean. <laughs> that was just the first one I can think of. Four and five. Now this is where it kind of gets like I could. I can pick from any 30 band, you know, including mm-hmm. some that you picked, but I don't want to pick any that you picked already. Sorry, Blue Oyster Cult. Sorry, Alice Cooper. Share the love, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think for my fourth, I'm going to give, I'm going to, today, I'm going to say it's Santana. Okay. I love Carlos Santana. He's one of my favorite guitar players. And then, like, the songs are just so good. Mm-hmm. Like, that band has been rocking hard since the 70s and they've done all kinds of music oh yeah their covers of black magic woman and she's not there or some might i like those covers more than i like the originals same and i think most people do i i think there's a lot of people that don't know black magic woman's a cover i was about to say (laughs) i'm wondering how many listeners of yours are going to be like wait that's a cover what yeah and then a lot of them would be like what does this have to do with dracula we're getting there. We're getting there, folks. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're oh, testing I got your a segue. Loyalty. I got a segue. I can't wait to um, hear it. And my fifth, I could go any sort of direction, but I think for my fifth, I'll probably change in like 15 minutes. But today I'm going to go with Audio Slave. Really? Yeah, I love Audio Slave. They're I mean, I love Tom Morello. I'm, I might as well kind of lump Rage in mm-hmm. because Audio Slave is basically Rage Against a Machine with Chris Cornell. <laughs> yeah. But it, but there's such different bands, even though three fourths of it is the same. Yeah, they're like they're total opposites, but they're equal. And I good. love Rage. Don't get me wrong. I love Rage. But I know something about Audio Slave. I just been jamming to that, their first album. I mean, I jammed to it when it came out, but I'm still jamming. Like, I've been jamming to it recently because I because I almost said Iron Maiden, which is a completely different band. Yeah. But I'm yeah. like, I already said Guns. I already said Sabbath. Mm-hmm. They're a bit <laughs> I want to show I listened. I listened to a little bit more than just <laughs> like that 80s stuff, which I don't get. Me, I love the 80s stuff, but who doesn't? Right. I like Paramore. Uh, well, again. Who doesn't? It's yeah, who terrible. doesn't? Like, like, I'm really coming out with the hot takes on rock and roll, guys. Oh, man. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I started getting into corn a little bit. Mm. I've never listened to corn before, like recently. It but they're good. Me, it took me a while to warm up to them, too. Yeah, I've been warming up to them and Slipknot. Oh, Slipknot. Which I never oh. got into them before this year. Bro, that's, uh, my, that's my territory right there. I love Slipknot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't know that much from Corn or Slipknot yet, but I've been, and I think it's because of Ice Nine Kills. I got into mm. Ice Nine Kills, uh, recently, because I am a fake fan who only likes them for their horror stuff. I, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud you for that because their horror stuff is amazing. <laughs> it is really good. It is really good. Any um, new I, fans, welcome to the party. Like, oh my gosh, it's so good. I love Rock the Boat. Yeah. That well, uh, that breakdown in the middle. <laughs> I am not even kidding you. When those last two albums came out, both Silver Scream albums came out, 
those are probably the most visceral reactions I've had to a new music release in my life. Even when Blue Oyster Cult dropped their first album in 21 years or 19 years, however long it's been, I, I had more of a reaction to those two Silver Scream albums because the way the way they merge my two favorite things, rock and horror, but also how deep they go with the Easter eggs and the references and the quotes and the musical motifs, everything they do, it's all spot on. And it's co combined that with their already perfect music musicianship. It's a perfect yeah. storm. And it's like, I, I got so emotional when welcome to horrorwood came out. I almost shed a tear like halfway through the album. I was like, this is too good. It's impossible to be this good. You know, while we're on the topic of metal, you know who had a metal band? Uh, anybody. Uh, <laughs> I, I might know who you're talking the, about. but The iconic, prolific actor known as Christopher Lee. Yep. Has, he has a metal band. His cover of My Way is so fucking good. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, a lot of you listening, you probably know Christopher Lee as Saruman, as Count Dooku. But he spent a bunch of years playing Dracula. Boom, segue. Look Let's at me go. now. <laughs> That's the segue of the year award. That's the best segue you've had on your whole show. And I'm glad I got to be on the episode. Oh, I'm, I'm, that means a lot, man. <laughs> but yeah, um, a lot of iconic actors have played Dracula. Christopher Lee, as I just said uh bella lugosi obviously gary oldman nicholas fucking cage <laughs> so many great draculas and i know i'm forgetting a bunch i know i am it's hard but not to. i gotta i gotta ask do you have a favorite actor as dracula i have a very obvious answer and it's probably the most mainstream and basic but it's got to be bella lugosi because if it's not bella lugosi it's gary oldman but it's bella lugosi i can't put anybody <laughs> above him like you see you see the poster behind me there's a light covering it but you see the poster behind me yeah i i cannot put anybody ab above bella lugosi because when you think about a performance that transcends generations that's it Everybody, almost everybody, when they do a Dracula imitation, they imitate Bela Lugosi. And it's become synonymous with the character in a way that a lot of performances in horror and cinema in general, there hasn't been that much of an attribution between an actor and a character as far as their mannerisms, their gestures, their intonation. So I, just because of the influence alone and how much I enjoy it personally, it's Bella Lugosi all the way. And that's fair. I think Dracula is one of those roles where I don't want to say there hasn't been any misses because I know a lot of people have played Dracula. Yeah. But like when you when you think of the top of that list, like the ones I just mentioned, even even though like Nicolas Cage has just played Dracula and Renfield was fun. It wasn't oh, like yeah. my favorite movie or anything like that, but um, I liked it. I had a great time in the theater watching it. I'll buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray. Like it's a <laughs> solid movie. Yeah. Um, Nicolas Cage, that's a really great performance. I was very impressed with what they did with his character, but 
at the same time, I had a very hard time taking it seriously. Number one, because it's a very comedic movie at its core. So, yeah, he, he played this. It's not that trying very... to be taken. No, so, yeah, not at all. But he, he, did he definitely a... played into the camp. Yes. And he was serious when he had to be. He was funny when he had to be. That was all great. My issue was it felt like I was just looking at 2012 Marilyn Manson. So I really couldn't take it seriously. It was very mm. difficult for me. But I mean, I had a good time with Renfield, but I don't know how I would rank Nicolas Cage's performance just because it's such a stark contrast to the way I view the films. Like when I think of Dracula, I think of the Todd Browning film. I think of Gary Oldman's performance. Those are very serious and some a little dark. If you're looking at Gary Oldman, very dark. So when it's so comedic, like Renfield, I, I have a hard time ranking it and putting it in the greater realm of Dracula performances. I think what helps me is when I watch Renfield, I kind of was thinking of Abbott and Costello. That's fair too. (laughs) And, you know, Bella Lugosi was a part of those, you know, Mm -hmm. and I got those vibes ironically when Renfield was homaging the original Dracula and they were recreating shots. I loved that. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. That was my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part of the movie was when Nicolas Cage was on screen. Uh, that's fair, too. Because <laughs> I think I would have loved to see what he did in a more serious movie. Yeah. At the same time, I'm really happy with what we got. Mm-hmm. I think the people who made Renfield should uh, pat themselves on the back. I think it was uh, a hard ask, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's... But they went up to the plate and they knocked it out of the park i think yeah i i had a better time with it than i thought i would because yeah when the film first got announced the the typical gatekeeper part of me was like no you can't remake this blah 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 blah, blah. even if it was like a prequel or a requel i didn't know what they were trying to do but i saw renfield and i remember all the failed attempts they had at reviving the universal monsters i'm like really you're gonna do this shit again thankfully it's not like that <laughs> and um yeah i was almost more glad that they took the comedic approach because if they would have done another serious universal monsters revival attempt i probably would have despised it but they kind of played into the what we do in the shadows vibe and yeah it that's that's something i can vibe with all day long and i appreciate that um universal is just kind of focusing on standalone yes um movies off of those properties because like Lee Winnell's Invisible Man, I think, is one of the best films of the decade. I'll always remember it as the last film I saw in theaters before the pandemic. It was the first one I saw on DVD after the pandemic. (laughs) It was the last movie I saw in theaters. And the first movie I I saw when I made my triumphant return to theaters was Godzilla vs. Kong. So those are super important because I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was very good. I stayed home. I wore my mask. This motherfucker (laughs) braved the wilds of Corona land 2021 to go see a big monkey versus giant lizard. (laughs) How could you not? (laughs) Like I I did the same exact thing. I can't blame you. Uh, I mean, we are as you've, as everyone listening heard multiple times this episode, we are true Godzilla fans. So, yes. and you you were Team Godzilla, right? Of course, <laughs> absolutely. Right. I, I I was ready to 
shut down this interview immediately. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I love King Kong. I, I'm never going to mm. form like a we hate King Kong club because I love King Kong. It's just I will always I'm always team. I'm team Godzilla first. Yes. Um, But I fuck with Kong. Kong's great, Spe- especially the Peter Jackson one. I love mm. that version. Skull Island was really good. Um, Skull Island was really good. I'm always going to be partial to the original, kind of for the same reasons I'm partial to the original Dracula. But I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're all enjoyable to a certain degree. Oh, I agree. I agree for sure. Dracula's been adapted so many times. I yeah. think I have a uh, I think I have a clue of what you're going to say. But what is your favorite adaptation? <laughs> Take a wild guess. Renfield. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm guessing it's the original. <laughs> yeah, if again, if it's not the original, I can't even say the original because there's an illegal adaptation that came nine years before it. But if it's not 1931, <laughs> it's shit. If it's not 1931, it's 1922. But if it's not 1922, it's um, it's a tie between 1931 and Bram Stoker's Dracula. I saw that movie for the first time late last year and i was like what took me so long <laughs> i was so <laughs> upset with myself because i always i knew the imagery and i knew the casting and i know the story obviously they just did so well with it that i was like what turned me off of this for so long like what made me not want to see this sooner but that it if 1931 didn't exist that would probably be my favorite one fair very fair we are so i mean the day already passed, but we are celebrating Dracula Day. If you're listening in 2024 and it's before May, what is it? May 26th? May 26th. That's Dracula Day? Yep. If you're listening in like April 2024, come back for May 26th, 2024. And, but, and, it's, uh, and it's World Dracula Day. It's May 26th somewhere. I don't... I don't know if it works like that. It it works like that because I said it works like that. Okay. 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 (laughs) But, oh my God, that was funny. But uh, something I want to ask is I think Dracula has made such a profound impact. Uh, Yeah. Dracula has made such a profound impact on the horror genre. What is your favorite? I'm going to say Disciple of Dracula. And by that, I mean films that borrow from the influence Dracula Dracula has had. Not necessarily vampire movies, but vampire movies definitely are influenced by Dracula. But like, could also include Freddy Krueger and A Nightmare on Elm Street. He's got Dracula qualities. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Could I give two answers? One being a vampire movie, one not being a vampire movie. Because I got Please. a pretty, I got a pretty off the wall non vampire movie that a lot of people might not associate. But for vampires, I'm gonna say Fright Night. Um, oh, <laughs> not high. The debate is always gonna be Fright Night versus Lost Boys. I find myself. I've seen Fright Night. I. <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go back and forth with both of them mm. on a semi daily basis, but I always find myself being a little bit more biased towards Fright Night because. I think it's the first half of the movie. I think The Lost Boys has a better second act and or second half. The Fright Night has a better first half. So they're good in different ways. But I I think Fright Night would be my favorite vampire movie. That's not under the Dracula umbrella. 
And as far as non-vampire movies go, I would say The Exorcist. And I've had this discussion with... uh, When I was in college, all my roommates were film majors. So our senior year, we watched... They hadn't seen The Exorcist. So I I made them watch it in the dark. And (laughs) we, we were talking for like two hours after it. And one of them... We just saw Dracula not too long before that. And we kind of came to this consensus that I have a weird obsession with movies that focus on science versus superstition because Dracula, the Wolfman, the Exorcist, they all kind of fall into that. There's the satanic panic and the religious overbearing of the 60s and 70s that the Exorcist leans into. And Dracula, they spent the whole time trying to even prove the existence of a vampire like the people they're like who could what could have done this all this other stuff you see dr van helsing he's doing all these scientific experiments because he just somehow knows this shit off and out of nowhere but i think a lot of the scientific side meeting the supernatural side lean there's a relationship between dracula and the exorcist because of that divide between good and evil you see it in the exorcist with the demon that possesses Reagan and the priests, obviously. But in Dracula, you have it with Count Dracula and Dr. Van Helsing. And those are some of my favorite scenes in Dracula, too, when they're in the same room together, because you can feel the tension between the forces of good and evil in those scenes. And I think a lot of that is what the movie's about at its core, much like The Exorcist. So, yeah, without repeating myself, that's what, <laughs> how I would associate it. Hell yeah, man. Um, so I'll answer that same question real quick. For me, my favorite vampire movie, I don't see a lot of parallels with Dracula, except mm-hmm. it's a vampire movie. Yeah. But my favorite's from Dusk Till Dawn. Ooh, that's a good one. I love Robert Rodriguez, and I think that's such a fun monster movie. Selma Hayek in, is in that. Tom Savini. Selma Hayek. <laughs> Selma Hayek. No, it, it's a great cast. It's Selma Hayek. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, uh, is Selma Hayek in that movie? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to talk about Selma all day. No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Selma Hayek, Danny Trejo, Harvey Keitel, uh, George Clooney in one of my favorite roles of his, Juliette Lewis, Cheech Marin. Like, it's a great Tom Savini, like you said. <laughs> Can't forget Selma Hayek. (laughs) But no, it's an excellent cast. Fun script by Quentin Tarantino. Kind of a fucked up script, especially in the first half. But, you know, I get I don't know what went down, but I guess Tarantino Rodriguez, they were like, hey, let's make the one one of the most badass movies ever made. And then they did. That's such a (laughs) flex too. to just be like, oh, we're going to make this movie just because we feel like it and it's going to do amazing. And then it does like, and then it's, it's like, you know what? Yeah. We'll start it off as like a crime hostage thriller, but you know, what's going to spice things up vampires. (laughs) Vampires make everything better. It's it's just like werewolves. And then when you have them in the same movie, Oh my God, forget about it. And when there's no indication that this is going to be, a vampire movie until like halfway through yeah it's kind of like predator where except for the opening shot of predator which is a spaceship (laughs) um heading towards earth 
the first like 30 or so minutes of Predators, just a great by the numbers 80s action movie full of testosterone. And then halfway through, it turns into a sci-fi slasher. <laughs> you can't get better than that. And I love movies that do that. My favorite Dracula-inspired non-vampire movie, I'm going to have to go with Candyman. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. And I think Candyman is a Dracula-like character. Because um, mm. Candyman's not a vampire, but he's so charismatic, so charming. Yep. There's that kind of like long lost love vibe. Like it was always you, Helen. The way he hypnotizes Helen. Dracula has like those hypnotic powers. And then he kind of like gaslights Helen a little bit, you know? Like Dracula <laughs> kind of does nasty stuff. I mean, obviously, Dracula's nasty. He's killing people. But like Dracula. Like even in Renfield, Dracula is gaslighting. Oh and, my God. You know, <laughs> to another level. Jesus. And then Candyman has like those vibes. And then like ah, uh, how Candyman kind of like has his his congregation, you know? Yep. And the bees. And the bees, exactly. <laughs> I mean, because like, because like Dracula can turn into the. I don't think Candyman can turn into a bee, but you know. Like dream. there's that connection with nature. <laughs> I perfect. <laughs> so, and it's their legend that stands lar- that looms large at the end of the day. Oh yeah. So, um, that was my plot to finally talk about Candyman because no one. <laughs> I love Candyman, and no one's. Uh, I've I've not had the opportunity to talk about Candyman yet. So if you're listening, you want to talk about Candyman, let me know. But that's also one of those topics where because of the super heavy subject matter that Candyman deals with, like gentrification, police brutality, um, systemic racism. That's not a uh, that's not a uh, topic everyone wants to talk about. And I completely get it. It's fair. (laughs) (laughs) But I think bringing that kind of to segue back to something we talked about earlier, speaking of Mm -hmm. Candyman and the more modern side of horror, I think it's an interesting parallel, like the way we were talking about Dracula, Frankenstein and the Wolfman, Freddy Jason and Michael Myers. I feel like a lot of people nowadays appreciate the classics and they appreciate the universal monsters, but a lot of people seem to not realize how influential those films are. They just know the characters, which I mean, great. If you know the characters, that's fantastic. But I feel like everybody as a baseline, they need to see the movies to understand, not to understand the genre, but just to just know where it came from. Because without those movies, you wouldn't have scream or nightmare on Elm street or Halloween. But a lot of the people are talking about, nowadays they're like oh yeah that's a classic and they're talking about like halloween and the slashers when we were growing up and it's like oh yeah those are the more they were a couple decades old but it still felt more modern maybe because they were remaking them so much but now it feels like they're talking about those movies like the like we would talk about the universal movies and it's like wow (laughs) to kind of see it come full circle in a way to be around while that's happening with these big properties it's kind of it's it's interesting to, to say the least. Well, we're we're also starting to reach a point where we are considering Scream a classic. Yeah, which that's it tr- is. 
That's, that's trippy 20, too. It's a 25 year old movie. Um, Saw is approaching that level. The Ring. These are movies that are have turned 20 or are turning 20. So now I get I get what you're saying, but at but like we're getting old, man. You're getting old. <laughs> <gasps> How dare you? I bid thee unwelcome. <laughs> Can't stop me. I was already invited in. You're stuck with me. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I love it. But you know what time it is. It is time to ask you the titular question of the show. If uh if you listen to the children of the night, if you listen to what music they make, if you encounter Dracula, and I I I'll say the Bella Lugosi Dracula, because let's be real. If you encountered Dracula in the middle of the night. Would you die? See, when you pose the question like that, what would the environment be like? Where would I come across him walking on the street or would I like would he be living right across from me or next door to me like in Nosferatu? What what's the deal? Let's say you are uh, you're walking home from a concert. Oh, man. <laughs> hmm. I would like to think I would live just because he wouldn't go after me and he would. If something were to happen, you would have to wait till I'm asleep. And I don't really sleep that much. So I'd like to think I'm safe. And he wouldn't. Here's some other deeper thinking into this. He would have to approach me when I'm asleep to kill me. That would mean because I'm not going to fall asleep in my local venue as much as I love that place. I'm not going to fall asleep (laughs) on their floor. But I would either have to be a guest at his house staying the night or he would have to be in my house. He would never get an invite from me. And if I was to be invited to his house, I would leave before I would fall asleep. <laughs> Hopefully, if if my conscience is, if I'm still coherent. So by that logic, I would not die. But if we're going by horror movie logic, of course I would die. Because just like Randy, the expert always dies. I get it. I think I would die because I think I'd be walking home from the concert and Dracula, he'd come up to me, be wearing his top hat, and he'd be like, hey, you want to come over so I can suck your blood and <laughs> kill you? And I'll be like, this man's wearing a top hat. I have to trust him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love how that's the criteria. Is he wearing a top hat? If he's wearing has, a top hat, has I have anyone to go ever, with him. Have you... Uh, well, let's name the famous people wearing top hats, okay? There's Abraham Lincoln, there's Slash, and there's Dracula. Hmm, that's a dangerous trio. You got me. <laughs> right? And that would oh. be a fun party. Oh my gosh, yeah. I w- See, now, that would be something I would want to be invited to, for sure. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I come from the place of don't trust anybody, so <laughs> I wouldn't be going straight home he's not coming with he's not getting invited ever even if he's my neighbor like if we're talking some nosferatu shit if he's my neighbor he's not coming to the cookouts he's not coming for cars against humanity night he's not you gotta remember you gotta remember he's wearing a top hat god almighty okay (laughs) he only wears a top hat once (laughs) and it's like my favorite part Uh, i mean i can't fault you there but... It's a great top hat. No, my favorite part is every time they have this beautiful close-up on his, he's doing the crazy Dracula eyes. Yeah. That's my favorite part. It makes for a great <laughs> gif, too. It does. It really does. <laughs> so this was fun. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you and uh, Dead Noise? Oh, man. If you if you want to keep up with my takes on horror movies and rock music, if you enjoyed this conversation, first of all, thank you. You can keep up with my articles whenever I write them at deadnoise.substack.com. You can find my videos on YouTube. Just type in Dead Noise. It's the same logo across all boards. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dead Noise Blog. I'm not that hard to get a hold of, but yeah, if you like my takes, thank you. If you like this episode, thank you. Austin, thank you for having me on. <laughs> this was so much fun. <laughs> of course, I love to celebrate World Dracula Day, and it's nice to do it with another like-minded horror fan. So yeah, this was great. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Excellent, man. This was a blast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Chris for celebrating World Dracula Day with me. It definitely didn't suck. Okay, that pun was a reach. You you can't win them all. A reminder, I just became an affiliate for Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. I definitely recommend checking out their magazine and even subscribing. And if you decide to do that, don't forget to use the promo code WouldYouDieShow for 20% off your entire order. The store link and promo code will be in the show notes below. Another reminder, if you like my show and want even more Would You Die goodness, feel free to sign up for my Patreon. Bonus episodes, movie commentaries, and much, much more at $5, $10, and $20 a month. Check out my page now and you can sign up for a free trial on the $5 and $10 tiers to see if you like the bonus content. Any support you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, I have a big announcement, but that'll be in next week's episode, so stay tuned. And this segment of I Know What You Watched Last Week, in which I tell you about the horror films I've watched last week, I watched VHS, VHS 94, VHS 99, and I Know What You Did Last Summer. I know there's a VHS 2 and a VHS uh, viral, but I didn't watch those. I only watched the three I mentioned. I tried watching the first VHS about 10 years ago when I was in college. Me and one of my buddies from MSU, shout out Adam. We wanted to watch something scary and fucked up. So we decided to put on VHS because we heard good things about it. And as someone who's not quite a big fan of found footage, we turned it off. Well, I turned it off 10 minutes in because it kind of did some stuff I wasn't into, wasn't feeling it. I believe we put on Rosemary's Baby <laughs> instead, which is also a fucked up movie, but a little classier. I haven't touched VHS since then, but I've heard good things about the franchise. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll give it another go, especially because I know what to expect in the first 10 minutes. There's just some kind of sleazy stuff in that first 10 minutes which at the time I wasn't into. I'm still not into, but now I know it's coming. So I checked it out again, and, you know, it's fun. It's a solid movie. VHS 94, VHS 99, I think, are actually a little more fun. But, yeah, what I like about this series is it it's a real showcase of the filmmaking talent we have in the horror genre. If you look at that original VHS, you see segments from Adam Wingard who went on to do Your Next, The Guest and a little ditty called Godzilla vs. Kong David Bruckner did a segment in that which uh, 
He's known for doing The Ritual, The Night House, and the new Hellraiser. And Radio Silence has a segment which you might know they did Ready or Not and the two new Scream films. Plus VHS 94 and VHS 99 has a lot of up and coming uh, amazing talent from Chloe Acuno who did Watcher, Maggie Levin who's been writing a lot of stuff, and Joe and Vanessa Winters which their segment was great. I'm excited to see what they do next. There's a lot of talent in the VHS anthology world and I think they're a cool franchise just because of that. Even if I don't really care for all the segments, that's the, be- that's the beauty of anthologies. There's got to be something for everyone. Unless you don't like found footage, in which, in which case it's a little tougher of a film to uh, deal with. And I watch I Know What You Did last summer, which means it's officially summer. What to say? It's a fun movie. Everything about it's fun. Definitely a favorite of mine to rewatch because it's a great cast with fun characters, a fun mystery. Gets a little over the top at times, but I think that's part of its charm. So, also, I know what you did last summer. Perfect double feature with Jaws. If you want a fun Fourth of July horror double feature, Jaws and I know what you did last summer. They go perfectly together. You can find the show social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Also, now you can follow me on TikTok at Would You Die Podcast, where it's become mostly sit posts of gizmo dancing to random music I find. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. Next week is a truly special episode. Alumni and fans of Michigan State University, you'll want to stay tuned. Until next time, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die. <laughs>